0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Borellis. Hi, I'm Patty Lepone.
1: This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Theater Podcast intimate personal conversations with some of theater's biggest names. I'm Alan Seals, and this episode is with Jana Robbins and Haley Swindle, who uh, they reached out and and I wanted to interview them very quickly, and we're actually releasing this episode uh, at the end of a week, which we don't normally do, but I wanted to get this out this episode out very quickly because they're currently in the middle of a run at uh, at fifty four below of a special show that they put together. Um, they're returning to the venue with their show called "We Just Move on," where they did a successful run of it last summer and it was so wildly popular that 54 Below asked them back which they don't normally do and they don't normally give people multiple performance nights either they usually just give people one night to do a cabaret but uh these but Jana and Haley their show was so good and like it's all in the press like Sarah Borellis went to the last one and and Laura Osnes and and so many others it's a show about um about John uh, Kander and Ebb, John Kander and and Fred Ebb, who are primarily primarily known for their stage musicals like like Cabaret and Chicago, and they've even scored several several movies, including Martin Scorsese's New York, New York. So, um, it's great music in general. But as we do in this podcast, we get into their past, we get into into who they are, and they are just two incredible people. And and now, as you can tell from listening to their story amazingly uh, great friends as well. So I will let you get right into this. Please enjoy this episode with Jana Robbins and Haley Swindle. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. I'm here today with Jana Robbins and Haley Swindle, who are about to start their uh, the second round of uh, a very successful uh, duo show, a cabaret show at Feinstein 54 called "We Just Move On: The Songs of Candor and Ebb," uh, which. I think uh, it starts February fifth, right at seven o'clock. That's correct. And this episode will come out just after February fifth. But then, if you're listening, please run out right now. Get your tickets for February twelfth, the last show, which will be at seven o'clock as well, uh, the following Tuesday. And this is now the second incarnation. Thank you both for being here. By the way, oh, we're thrilled we're to excited. be here, Thank and we're you. thrilled to
0: be coming back to to uh, Fifty Four Below.
2: Why? What? What prompted this to to do the show again? Like, cuz you did it the first time a year ago right
0: um, no we did it in um september so that's a l- that's less than 6 months ago yeah, right yeah six months uh ahead. the show sold out and was so successful the first time that the truth of the matter is before we even did before our first show ended they had already offered us these dates to come back and do a a return
2: no kidding yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. it was wow. it was exciting i really mean it they asked us like during half hour of doing the show. We had already sold out both shows in mm-hmm. September, and they said, we would love to have you back.
2: What is the process, for, for those of us who don't know and have never done a cabaret, uh, what is the process of putting this all together and getting it, getting it to Feinstein or getting it to another one of these venues where, where you can invite all your friends and invite your fans?
0: I'll, I'll start, but uh, Haley has a lot to say about this too. Uh, both Haley and I had already done our own solo shows there. I have a show called uh, One Hell of a Ride. No, that wasn't the show I did. You did. I'm still here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a show, One Hell of a Ride. The songs of Cy Coleman it never played 54 Below. Uh, yeah, I did a show called I'm Still Here. And uh, I had already done that at Feinstein's. And you had a show.
1: I did. I had a show, two shows, uh, Play to Win and Golden Girl, which I've done. I've been in there three or four times over the last five mm-hmm. since it's opened. And so uh, we had this.
0: We had this. Feinstein's 54 Below uh, relationship already, mm-hmm. and it's uh, our favorite club in New York, Absolutely. I have to say. There's mm-hmm. a couple I haven't played, so I might change my mind if they decide to have <laughs> Robinson and Swindle at their place. But yes. really, our favorite club, so we had never thought of taking it anywhere else. Now, as far as getting it booked, they are creating the show.
2: What? Well, okay, let's let's go back first to okay. creating the show. But okay. How did you two meet, and where did you come up with the idea? I should start this
1: one. Go ahead, <laughs> you
2: start that one. So,
1: Jana and I were both cast in a show off-Broadway, which is still currently running, called This One's for the Girls. As a matter of fact, we just did a matinee before we came to you.
2: And you're about but to do did. another one this evening? No,
1: no, oh, no, no. it's only two shows a week. Two uh, shows a week, perfect it, for me. And me too. Uh, so, I just, from the first day of rehearsal, I was like, that woman is going to be my best friend, I said to, to the other cast member who I knew. And I said, wow, I love that woman. She's awesome. And um, we just, she produces. I, wanna, I want to produce and do produce. And I just loved her. So I had this idea, like, as we were going a little farther along in the rehearsal process and we got to know each other, we had similar styles. And I just really looked up to her style. And um, I had this idea because I've always loved Kendra and Eb. And I, and I turned to her and I said, you know, we should do the rank. Because I had always known the Rink, and I thought, you know, Judy, Gar- uh, sorry, Liza Minnelli, Cheetah Rivera, and. Uh, so we
0: started talking about that, and there's a lot of, there is actually a lot of discussion about that in the show, and I'll let them hear the details of that. But uh, that really was the beginning of it. And then uh, Haley also came and saw me do a uh, an afternoon show with my friend Richard Skipper of Candor and Ebb. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Sabella sang in it, Karen Ziemba sang in it, I sang in it. And afterwards, again, she said to me, remember what I talked to you about? We really ought to do The Rink. And then little by little, we just decided, why don't we put together a show uh, of their songs first before we would decide as actor producers to actually um, do the full production of The Rink.
1: Right, and we both loved about Kendra and Ebb that they kind of showcase the strength and simultaneous vulnerability of women, their characters, mm-hmm. and that's something we both gravitate to uh, as women. And uh, they're both
2: men. What? They're both men. What do you mean, Kendra and Ebb? Right. Yes. Yeah. So they're both but men. The, but, but the women write, that they yeah. write for, yeah, they, yeah, they,
0: yeah, they they really do. And and so ultimately, when we started uh, uh, working on the show. Um, I took a look at the songs that I had a great affinity toward. We're, we're not doing And Then They Wrote. That is not no, what no. this is at all. This is a story of two women from different generations who come to New York with a dream of working in New York and how we are fulfilled and what the challenges are. And ultimately, Haley's a mother and I'm a grandmother. And so talking about the trajectory really of our entire lives is what the show ends up. Being about through the music of Candor and Ep.
2: that's really interesting. I, I follow I follow Laura Bedanti uh, on Instagram as I I'm, love her. I'm sure I love her Bajillion down. people do, and she talks about uh, as an I'm I'm a new dad. Um, relatively, I've got a two year old and a four year old, and I have a two year old. Yeah, with the with the big hair. Yeah, two and a half. (laughs) So I guess that's a question for you: Is coming from Laura Benanti, she's kind of like ripped back the walls a little bit for me of how hard it is. I didn't even think about this how hard it is to be a mother of a young child while having a schedule that takes you out (laughs) at night every single night if you're working, right? right?
0: I always called, and, and forgive me, Eric, uh, if you're listening. My son is is uh, quite, is grown and he's giving my two granddaughters. Uh, I always said my son was a closet case. And what I meant by that was that I had him out on national tour with me oh. uh, from 16 months to 26 months with my first Broadway show. And I would only get rooms that had these big walk-in closets so that he kind of had a separate room from me. Because at that point I couldn't afford the two-bedroom suites and that sort of thing, but I had Eric on the road with me a lot. Wow! And trying to be a mom and a good mom, yeah, uh, and pursue your career and your dreams isn't easy. And
1: I think it's 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 different for everyone, and it's hard for everyone. You know, for mm. me with my daughter, it's it's been that's why this show of this one's for the girls has been such a gift because it's it's a couple of times a week and it's in the city. And uh, I, I've been primarily working in New York, which has been great because um, Lily's in school now and all of that. So yeah, it's it's an inc- it's incredibly difficult, but you you just cherish and are grateful for the time you do have. And I think it's important for her to also see that mommy goes to work, mommy has a dream, because so that she can follow in those footsteps as well. Wow.
2: So but it's is, all is, a balance. Is there is there? Like, do you have guilt? Do you deal with? Do oh you my have god! Guilt
1: every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Mother guilt, yes. But I, uh, I have,
2: I have dad guilt when I work my nine to five. Right. You know.
1: Right. But but then I just remind myself that it's it's a it's about the quality of the time that you spend with them and and not always the quantity and that I make sure that she's surrounded by love and when I'm not there and and people that she loves and is comfortable with and it works for us.
0: I, I mean, I look back. I look back, and I, I people can ask me some things, and my son would never say that he feels this way because uh, he always tells me that I was a, a great mom, and he's the proof in the pudding because he's a great mm-hmm. kid. Yes. But no, I do look back at, and I think that ultimately, having reached the age that I have now, that that family is everything, hon. It family is. is everything, and your loved ones, and and I do look back and think at times that I was, it was all about what I could get and what I could accomplish in my career. And I love my career. And so I'm happy that I had the opportunity to do it all. Just a little bit suffer here and a little bit suffer there? Probably. But I think um, as long as you put your heart and your soul into your parenting as well as mm-hmm. you do your career, you know, we're lucky that we can, we can have a little piece of all of it. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? That's beautiful. And so speaking of careers, let's talk about how you both got into yours. I want to know, like... What what were you two as young children? How were you like, and where did where did you grow up?
0: Well, uh, this is on our show as well, because uh, I asked her on stage why she came to New York, and then we talk about it. Uh, I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and my mother used to take dance class with Jean Kelly. Really? And she had a big crush on Jean Kelly. Who and looked? always wanted, that's correct. Yeah. Well, my, my dad kind of looked like Jean Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, she never went into having a career. She met my father when she was 14. They married at 19. And I am, I just am my mother. So I'm am you know, living her dreams. And she was very supportive of me. I was in all my high school uh, musicals. I majored in theater, went to a women's college called Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri. Came straight to New York. Uh, and uh, without going into any more, you know, um, the rest is history. My entire life and career has been uh, being on stage as an actor and now I wrote this show I've directed this show and I'm also a Broadway producer now so I love what I do
2: and and so you you always knew from the very beginning it was never a question for you that you wanted to do never, anything else this
0: is all I ever wanted to do they say I came out singing and dancing <laughs> I'm uh, in I'm, your playpen uh, huh? in my playpen you know when, when the Pennsylvania polkas would come on I was up uh, <laughs> holding the bars <laughs> rocking it And uh, yeah, mom knew from the beginning, never, (laughs) this was it. This is who I was.
2: Wow. Haley, what about you?
1: So I come from a family that is not remotely in theater, but is in a form of entertainment. My grandfather was George Steinbrenner, who owned the New York Yankees. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: my family is a big sporting family. I grew up around, you know, it was gonna be a good night in my house if the Yankees won, maybe not so much if we lost. So they don't <laughs> they didn't know a whole lot about theater, but I was exposed to theater because the Yankees are in New York. So when I was growing up in the 90s, I would come up for the postseason, was when the Yankees were always winning, and I would kind of sneak out and go to open calls and I'd bring like my my freshman year picture <laughs> and learn Kyler Opes. I just, it's always what I wanted to do. My grandfather and, uh, both my grandparents, uh, and my parents exposed me to Broadway from a young age. My grandfather produced on Broadway. He produced applause. So there was this love of Broadway in my family, even though there wasn't necessarily, you know, nobody else was in theater. Nobody else sings. I've just kind of came out singing and, you know, they'd be watching the baseball game and I'd be singing, don't cry for me, Argentina on the top of the stairs. And you know, what, what is, Oh God, she's singing again. Uh, <laughs> but then eventually they got used to it. And, and, uh, I watched old movies growing up and in and, and the golden age of Hollywood and I, I knew that I wanted to be singing. And, and to me, that was New York because that's where I grew up. Uh, my grandfather used to stay at the Regency and so I would go down into Feinstein's and watch, you know, Barbara Cook and Rosemary Clooney and all of those people sing as a little girl and just, that's what I want to do. And uh, my grandfather always called me Broadway. So uh, the last oh. thing he ever said to me was, I love you, Broadway. So I knew I had to get there and I did. But, wow. uh it's interesting in the family that I'm from trying to explain theater because my first Broadway role was a swing. And they're like, what is that? You're not going to perform every night? What, what, is that, what does that mean? And I said, well, is it better to be the second catcher for the New York Yankees or is it better to be the first catcher for the farm team in the middle of Staten Island? Good. And so they that finally, so everything is like an analogy for them, but yes. So my story is a bit different, but ultimately, yes, I was I all I all I ever wanted to do was be on stage. But so. you
2: said you were telling me off Mike that you grew up in in Florida, right? I did,
1: yes. Tampa.
2: So, yes, yeah, you grew up in Tampa. The
1: Yankees spring train in Tampa. Right. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's the
2: connection down. <laughs> so there. that's where
1: everybody my family never lived in New York full time. My grandfather wanted our family to be in
2: Florida. And you just week. came up you came up here whenever, I guess during for, the playoffs yeah.
1: and, and, and for games and I just <laughs> I would sneak off to the open calls and try and figure it out myself and, you know, get up at five in the morning and be like, Hey guys. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
2: That's great. I, I love random. I, I really love how, how some of this stuff comes together and people find their way into the Broadway stage. It's just, it's so totally random and haphazard and it, it gives more merit to the saying that it's like, what is it? One third talent. One-third, what is the thing? One-third talent. Yeah, well, one th- luck is the last thing, yeah. Luck's one, a big
0: part of it. Yeah, one-third
2: talent, one-third something that I can't remember. Probably perseverance Just and
0: courage. Right. Memory <laughs> would be
2: my thing. Right. Yeah, one-third memory, <laughs> which I don't have, and then one-third luck, yeah. Um, and so now, uh, Jana, you've, yes. you were talking about producing. You've been, gosh, your, your Broadway debut in 1974, right?
0: Oh, for, my for God,
2: me, he gives dates. For Good News. <laughs> yeah, that is Good News good good with news. Alice
0: Faye and John Payne. Uh, I had only been in New York a, a short time. The first audition I ever had was for Aldonza in the national company of Man of La Mancha, and I got it. and I was twenty one years old. Um, and then the first Broadway show was good news with Alice Faye and John Payne. and uh, I was that's the one I was talking about. I used uh, the word schlepper because we'll get on to some other things. So I was schlepping uh, you know a baby around the country. Know the country with me mm-hmm. while I was doing Good News.
2: Oh wow, wow! So yeah, it was one, two, three, four, five, six. So you did six shows up till two thousand as an actor, and then the first producer credit I could find was Little Women in 05, Right, that, that's you, really true. Yeah.
0: I, I was on Broadway in um, Gypsy. I was covering uh, uh, Tyne Daily as Mama Rose, and I was on stage in that all the time. But I was actually playing Mazeppa, the bumpet with a trumpet stripper on most nights. But I was I was on a lot. And while I was doing that, I actually started raising a lot of money for my son's private school. So I would get all my friends. I would call everybody I knew in Broadway shows. I'd write the show. We'd all sing. I'd I'd even raise the money for the bake sale. I'd raise a lot of money for the school. And all of a sudden, also when the AIDS epidemic hit in in the 80s uh, during Gypsy, I was raising a lot of money for Broadway Cares. Actually, it was Equity Fights AIDS then. Mm -hmm. And I was producing major AIDS benefits. And little by little, I realized what I was doing was producing. Uh, So I started small and did some producing out in uh, California. I was out there for a while and came back. My first major Broadway, what made me a Broadway producer was Little Women. And I was mentored by a wonderful producer named uh, Randall Reggett, uh, who I miss very much. He passed away at Mm -hmm. 55 years old. And um, I've been going ever since uh, as a producer as well. It's only recently that I've actually come back to uh, performing at the same time. There's was in about a 10-year period. My father passed away uh, 15 years ago, and I moved my mother up to New York. And I didn't want a tour, and I had done a lot of tours, Footloose, uh, at Gypsy Pre-Broadway, and other tours, and I wanted to stay in New York. Uh, so that's really when the producing started to really move forward because I could stay still in theater and not travel as much if I wasn't in a Broadway show.
2: Mm-hmm. And you moved your mom up from, from And I moved my
0: mom up. And uh, and also, it, we say this in the show, I live with my mother. The truth is, my mother lives with me. She is too much shy of 97 years wow. old. Wow.
2: Oh, wow. That's great. He oh.
0: was over visiting at the mm-hmm. house last night, and we were
1: singing Love together. It. She's amazing. We had a great yeah. time.
2: When uh, you you were saying, um, you know, that she never really—you she you are your mother. She didn't make it onto the Broadway stage no. herself. It does— when you started to get down this path, go down this path and like and made it on Broadway, did did she did you see a transformation in her? Was she living vicariously through you as a stage mom, even though you were already legal and left the house?
0: Um, I don't you know, I don't think of my mother actually as a stage mother. She's just always been a hundred percent supportive of me doing it because she didn't do it. So she's you know. She was always there. She sent me to dancing school. She was the one out there clapping when I got the leads in (laughs) high school. She is the one that said to my dad, oh, yeah, she wants to major in theater. She's going to go. My dad drove me here, and I stayed at a woman's hotel, at the Barbizon Hotel. Uh, A ladies' hotel is what I stayed in when I first came. They were just always supportive, and then they flew and saw everything I did.
2: Wow. Um, That's uh, Crazy and and okay so Haley,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, are you, do you say you're producing this the show uh, at Feinstein's too? Are you are you co-producing the show or Jana wrote
1: and directed it. and you right. produce it together. So you're
2: producing it together. So is this your first foray into producing no. as well? No,
1: I've uh, been producing for uh, maybe. F- Four or five years. Uh, I started kind of when I first moved here producing my friends who were our writers, producing their work. I did something at Manhattan Repertory Company. I put something up at uh, the 24 hour play festival and Midtown International Theater Festival the works of my friends that I'd been working with in college who were in grad school at the time at NYU. And I found that I love putting people in projects together uh, as well as mm-hmm. performing. And I'd always thought, well, how do I bridge these two things? Can I do these two things at once? And people told me no until I met this one. And who <laughs> does it pretty well. Um, a lot, you know, so then I got farther into it. Uh, the first piece that I co-produced was a piece called The Lion Off-Broadway starring Benjamin Troyer. which yes, um, I know Ben. I was ben. a co-producer yeah. with Jamie Drury and Dan Shaheen on that uh, through Ava Price, which I loved. And uh, I've invested in several pieces and uh, joined Jana with a few of her pieces, actually. So uh, I, I'm, I'm dipping heavier into it now than I ever did before. But it's something I always knew I wanted to
2: how do, do. How do you explain a producer to your baseball parents?
1: Oh, my grandfather produced on oh, Broadway, so they get yeah, no, it's, it. Yeah, no, they get they get they get that part. Yeah. And, and who did your who did your grandfather produce? He
0: produced. What do you mean? Oh, the, he produced the, the, the link to uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Which oh, I'm Oh, produced
1: on now. George M. with uh, Joel Gray. Wow! Mm-hmm.
2: It all comes full circle. No, it really does. Oh and now my I'm gosh.
0: producing the the Yiddish fiddler directed
2: by Joel Gray,
1: which I invested in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's ridiculous. So you guys, you guys have been like friends and castmates and co-producers, just like everything. And, and in the year,
1: we've only known each but other.
0: We've year and only half. know each other slightly less than a year and a half. Crazy. What? And what has crazy. we met doing this one's for the girls. A year ago. October. September. Uh, September. We yeah. went in rehearsal in September, right? September twenty seventeen. Yeah. And all of this has been created since saying hello and meeting one another. And there's just like I've never I've never seen anything. What people say, but of course I would allow the audience to judge for themselves. And but I feel this way is that um I hope that there's a talent and a force called Jana Robbins. Of course. Definitely there a talent and a force called <laughs> Hades. Keep Wendell. up with our. <laughs> but the truth <laughs> of the matter is the two of us together absolutely create something that's much bigger than than, than one and one equals two. Mm-hmm. It becomes something else. And that's what's so exciting about doing this Cantor Nepp show. And not only are we coming back to 54 Below, we just played it at the theater in Connecticut. We're going down to the Straz Center uh, in in Tampa. We hope to have dates in Tokyo and, to this other places as well.
2: That's ridiculous. A year and a half. Yeah. When you guys, when I, I'm watching you two together, the, your, your banter, I would have assumed you've known each other for a decade.
1: <laughs> no. No. Like just
2: like, how you walked in the door earlier when we all met. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, these, these two are friends for years. Yeah.
0: It just seems that way. Yeah. But we've created so much. Yeah. the impact have, it's, it's It's amazing. They have two souls come together and then all of a sudden, wow, we didn't realize our coming together would create
2: all these things. Do you, do you see yourself doing the two of you doing more production together, like producing work, co-producing in the future? Yeah, we're we're yeah. already
0: doing that. Uh, we're already doing that. Um, uh, Haley did invest in Fiddler, but that's because she's busy uh, working to come on another show that I will most likely join her on, and then I have two shows opening up in London: The Astonishing Times at Timothy Cratchit at the Hope Mill Theatre. We'll do a developmental. Uh, production there, Haley's on that, and another show called The Jazz Age. Both will have productions in London uh, this coming season, and that, Haley's on them. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah.
2: And so, uh, do you enjoy the produ- producing more than performing? I mean, you know, Janet, you said that you left it for a while, and then now you're coming well, back I to would, acting.
0: Yeah. Well, what I was going to say to you, and I, and I, I, I guess I just forgot that that's where I was going. Is that uh, I was producing for uh, quite a while. But as mother has aged and aged and aged as much as I love producing, and I do, it truly doesn't matter whether I'm directing it, producing it, starring in it. To me, it's the same thing. If I'm creating great theater, I'm very fulfilled. However, having said that, when you're on stage and you're acting and you're singing, you're using your talent, your heart, your soul in the moment, in the moment, in the moment. And I know, given that Mom is 97, let's be honest, my mother's not going to be with me forever. And I felt very strongly that I needed to, while I was producing, get myself back on stage just a little bit, so that when I no longer have Mom, I can I can find um, some comfort really in in sharing my heart and soul and talent on stage. And that's why I wrote. Uh, about a year and a half ago, Jana Robbins, I'm Still Here. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I said, well, do you know why I'm calling my show I'm Still Here? By that point, I really wasn't uh, uh, performing that much. Everybody thought of me as a producer. I said, well, it's because I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and right after I did I'm Still Here, actually, I believe that that's why Bill Franz Blau, the producer of this one's for the girls, heard of me. And when he uh, he was looking to cast a particular part uh, in This One's for the Girls that I play, and he called me. If I had never written, I'm still here. I wouldn't be in This One's for the Girls, and I wouldn't have met Haley Swindle. Crazy. So it was my taking that initiative to mm-hmm. put myself
2: back mm-hmm. on stage. Now, Haley, do you do you think you want to continue acting primarily or, or producing? Or I'm do you not want to get sure. Into directing? The
1: moment I'm not, I don't mix the two. I don't act in things I really produce, but as long as I... I mean, I I am, um, I am. don't intend to stop my Broadway career. I'm going back into a show. But more on that, I'm going into a show on Broadway soon. And we'll go into that later. But um, maybe. but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not official yet. But uh, but I love producing. I love being... But but listen, I mean, what's so great about actors is that we lead with our hearts. And I believe the best producers lead with their hearts. And they follow the passion with their hearts. And that's what I admire about Jana, certainly, is that the projects that she comes on to, she just... Pours our heart and soul into them, and whether you're acting or producing, it's it's really as long as you you have to throw your heart behind it. It's the creative spirit. It's the exactly. creative spirit juices inside of us mm-hmm. we get to use.
2: I, I love I love that you just said that actors lead with their hearts. Uh, I've I've been doing this podcast for for a couple months now. Really, I'm still a young podcast, and what I the more I talk with people, what I'm finding is is. The people who are the most successful in this business are the people who just don't, they don't care. Uh, it's going to come out the wrong way. You don't care what people think, but at the same time, you have to, right? Because it's like, it's, it's a, you're a group of people that, that needs validation. That's, yeah, more, that's course, why that's we're in this in the of first course, place. Right. But at the end, like, you're just, you put yourself out there, and I guess it's a comfortability with, with being vulnerable. Sure. That, that most people don't have. At all in this business. I mean, not in this business, but in, in the world in general. And it's. I think it's very unique to to this business to to be in touch with your emotion, to be in touch with, with who you are on a much deeper level.
0: Well, it, it almost helps to define you. In some ways, it, it can be very therapeutic. I mean, acting class or playing a role, every role I've ever played, uh, who I became, what I found inside of me, what aspects of my spirit that I didn't know, um, they were all brought out in me by the different roles that I've played. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said to you that as much as I love producing, I knew that when I lose my mom, I need to be on stage using that, you know, uh, sharing my tears and my laughter and my joy and that sort of thing mm-hmm. on stage. Because uh, um, somebody would say that doesn't know anything about acting, they go, well, you know, are you acting now? Or I mean, are you acting? And I go, see, real acting isn't acting. Real acting is going deep inside of yourself and finding those real, true Truth. emotions mm-hmm. and putting the right ones with the right character in the right moment. But you're, I, I have always been able to show things better on stage than I do in life at times. It's a- you hide things as a person to protect yourself in real life. But if you're really leaving
1: it on the stage, it gives you the opportunity to put it all out. there. It's a very very brave thing to do, to be vulnerable, right? Oh, extremely. And I think um, for me as an actor, my career has really started to take off more as I, you know, I had this idea for my life. I'm going to do this by this age. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, the universe has other plans while you have plans, right? So it's really just been about embracing where I am now, who I am now, uh, gratitude for where I am and, and the work I do have, and kind of just... Staying open and vulnerable in life that has brought in so many great things as opposed to I'm not on Broadway by this point or I don't have this or I don't have that. I, I don't focus on what I don't have. I focus on uh the opportunities that are presenting themselves to me and and what I hope to create and I try to manifest.
2: As a as a, a new mom. Is it your first child now? Yes. Yeah. So as yeah. a new mom, our are- have you have you uh, the layer of emotional vulnerability is oh
1: god absolutely (laughs) oh my My god God. she's the joy of my world i mean you know i just even talking about her i get emotional so but yes yeah, and in my last show that I did, uh, Golden Girl, I had a whole section to her, um, a Rosemary Clooney song, I'll Be There With You Whenever, and Baby Mine, which is kind of our song. Mm-hmm. Now she sings them back to me or says, Mommy, my song, don't sing. Yeah, so <laughs> We're in a different place now, but uh, no, she's she's She's, she's wonderful. only two years
0: old, and you told me that, that one day recently, she said, Mommy, my solo.
1: My solo, give me the microphone, grab mm-hmm. the hairbrush. But uh, the last Rent Live a few nights ago, she... um during One Song Glory, she grabbed her little fake guitar. and She'd never heard the song, but by the end of the song, one song, da-da. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was just like, what are you doing? You've never heard that song before. By the second minute of the song, she knew the song. She's, she's very musical.
2: That's a smart smart. And that's kid. the
1: greatest gift that I could give her. Because for me, you know, my music, singing and and and, and listening to music and, and being involved in this world is is very, very important demand. to me. And for her to be able to have that gift is really exciting.
2: I I, I wonder, like, I, there's studies and stuff. And I, I didn't, I don't read much about these. But I'm interested, like the, the children who are, like, they're inside you for nine months, Absolutely. And hearing you sing. And sometimes they're on stage with you, you know, while, they were. You're, while you're still growing them. I did a 54 <laughs>
1: Below show with her. I did three readings, and I did Secret Garden at Lincoln Center. So I was like dancing around. I mean, I was, I was, and then at nine months, I did a, rec- I went into a studio and did this major recording and I could barely fit behind the microphone. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, she'd kick at me because I was like crunched and, and, uh, and I knew she loved, I and mean, like we, I saw Color Purple and she would kick more. She loved gospel music. There was certain music she liked and then there was other music, not so much. Oh, that's she'd crazy. Quieter, yeah. But yeah, no, she was always exposed to that. I was always around seeing shows and out and about and singing and. Wow.
2: What's some of the, the the feedback that you that you guys have received after the first round of your of of just move on?
0: Well, one of the things I told you, of course, was this before we even got the first show up, that uh, we were invited back because we were such a hit. But the validation beyond that is that we were chosen to be one of the top ten uh, uh, cabaret shows of two thousand eighteen. I, I think Theater Pizzazz uh, put us in that category. Yeah. We Really happy to have that. Uh, word of mouth is that our shows are really good. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I read I read these, these press articles that like Sarah Bareilles was there yes. and, and and Laura um uh, Laura Benanti uh, Laura, Laura Osnes, Osnes. Laura yeah. Osnes showed up uh-huh. and, and everything yeah so uh, I guess Frank uh, Wildhorn uh, was there oh, no, yeah and, uh, he was
1: there
0: all kinds of people it's a
1: good group we've yeah. got a good group coming it's this time That's too. Fun.
2: Mm-hmm. They, do you have you heard buzz about this current round? Did you think you're gonna like why only two shows? Why why not if it's this popular why not do more?
0: Well, you know, I'm not clear that Feinstein's uh, uh, offered us more than two than, than I think two we wanted shows.
1: to do two shows. She's got – she's oh, she's got – we've both got a million projects going on. I've got stuff coming in well, after right this. Right
0: now, I'm going into into a preview start on The Yiddish Fiddler right. uh, on February the 11th. And uh, trying to keep the commitment and do the show at Feinstein's and produce that at the same time is also really difficult. So th- I, I, right now, I say thank God it's two shows and we'd be perfectly happy to bring it back
1: mm-hmm. again. Um, I love doing it, these shows because, you know, as an actor or whatever, you were given, this is your script, these are your lines, these are your things. This is like, we get to create our own thing. So it's, to me, it's kind of like the dessert. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's this special thing. You get to do it. For me, I like to go back between six months and a year. I don't like to go right back. It's been six months, which is like the minimum time. And and um, but I love it. It's like, it's just like, it fuels me. Um, when I was a swing on Jekyll and Hyde, it, I, was, I, was, I was grateful. I was on Broadway. I was on the road for seven months, and I was like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm not performing. So that's when I started, okay, I'm going to start putting together these shows, and they really are what we want to say our way, right? That's what's so exciting. And Jana's crafted this show, which is just mm-hmm. she's done an incredible job. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I'm well, excited.
2: everybody, please... Get your tickets now for February 12th at 7 o'clock, Feinstein's 54 below. Um, if, if anybody wants to connect with you online, how can they find you? What are your, what are your social handles?
1: Facebook, uh, Haley Swindle. Uh, Twitter, Swinda, Instagram, H Swindle.
0: Well, wow. Um, and <laughs> they can find me on Facebook because I'm definitely there, and they can find me on my website, which is com.
2: All right. Well, you can get more of me, theater underscore podcast, on Instagram we and Twitter. love your
0: podcast.
2: Thank you. Aww. Rate and review it. Share it. Share it. <laughs> Send me an email, feedback at thetheaterpodcast.com. This is produced by Jillian Hockman. And the music you're hearing right now is by Jukebox The Ghost, friends of ours. Thank you, guys. Jana and Haley, thank you so much. Thank this you. has been thank a wonderful you. chat. It's thank fun. you so much. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful.